1: All right, welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. First podcast post deadline. I know we usually we record these come out on Wednesday, but a little late today. That's fine. Joined today by Jason and Zach Phillips from the Leafs Digest. How's it going, Zach?
0: That's good. I'm happy to be here and talk some Leafs with you guys. Uh, had Jason on my show the other day. Joe, you're gonna have to come next on. So we'll have uh, have the Rink Rat boys come through. But I'm happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. Today we're gonna go through.
1: Um, a little bit of post-trade deadline. We said last episode like 19 times, hey, the Leafs are not done. They're, this episode's going to be irrelevant in a couple hours, and it actually was not. So to the surprise of many, uh, there was no more moves made. We're going to touch on that a little bit. We're going to touch on the games from this past week. Um, Ryan O'Reilly is injured. I'm just going to say it. I mean, like, everyone probably knows it. And then we're going to get into some the trades that we made, the people that we brought in, The grades from what we have seen so far. So, to start the trade deadline, Jason, you had some pressing points to start this off.
2: Yeah. And I don't know if, like, I don't know if I have the most organized thoughts on these, but it's just kind of been gnawing at me the last couple of days. Like, what were those Tuesday deals? Like, what were the purpose of them? What were, why why do we make those deals? Right. It feels like, uh, we obviously did them like the Shen deal. That makes sense, right? We wanted that big body defense and to clear the front of the net. That's kind of the only deal that I think is like very little picture compared to the other two moves. The other two moves are very big picture, right? The Engval deal and the Sandin deal. I think both of them feels feels like they came at a weird time because those are two deals you probably could have done in the off season. Um, but Engval, obviously he's a UFA and it feels like he was, seemed like the the team, like maybe felt like he was the odd man out you guys can maybe chime in here if you feel that way as well but feel it felt like he was trending towards the odd man out with the acquisition of Lafferty acquisition of Achari uh in the bottom six and then also potentially opening up that space for Knives feels like they didn't really like the way his like his style of play I guess uh even though he's like again a great guy in transition he's he he's just too soft and it's clear that like Kyle Dubas went out of his way to say like, hey, I don't want to be a soft team anymore at this deadline, kind of change the brand of this team. So um, I I think that move in particular, Engvall for a third, I think that was a a, a great way to kind of like reset the asset pipeline. Big picture wise, right? Gets us a third round pick for next year. Um, Sorry, for 2024. So that was like, I think a good move in the sense that it kind of recouped assets on on maybe a player who probably wouldn't play that much down the stretch and into the playoffs. Then the Sandin move, which is kind of everyone was kind of talking about A lot of people aren't too happy about it because like, we're not really playing Gustafson that much. We didn't like when it happened, people kind of thought we were going to use the first round pick. And I think it's kind of okay that we didn't trade that first round pick again, like big picture wise, I think it's going to be really helpful for us. re rebuilding that asset pipeline. Um, Because again, like we, we burned a lot of picks this year and like being able to trade Sandin for a first for this year in a deep draft. I think that's valuable on top of that. I don't know, and this is not a slight on, on Sandin at all. I think he's a fantastic player, and we've seen how well he's played already in, in increased minutes in Washington, um, but I don't think you'd be able to get a first-round pick from Sandin at any other time like uh, other than right now. In the future, I don't think it'd be possible because we are, we've are we created a logjam on Lefty. He had no space for to play, so if we don't trade him at the trade deadline, he would probably come in and out for the next 20 games, not play in the playoffs unless there was a A few injuries and then and then what like what team would be willing to trade for uh, a guy on his last year of his 1.1.4 million dollars rfa next year he's not playing for us why would anyone give us a first round pick for him it's like we have no leverage in that situation right i don't really i don't i don't think that a team would do that you guys can maybe disagree with me but i think the big picture i think a team leader you think so
1: yeah, I don't think a 20 game sam- sample size because of a log jam that's built is going to affect the player's assets. I think that would be a little bit too nearsighted. We have over 100 games of Sandin's tape. We have him playing top 4, we have him playing bottom 5 6 whatever. I don't think 20 games of him not being in the Leafs plans is exactly, you know, the uh is exactly going to tank his 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 value. I do want to touch on, though, the Pierre Engvall part, because you did get into a pretty good point there. Um, I don't know if you heard Sheldon, uh, not Sheldon Keefe, Kyle Dubas in his press conference did kind of reveal what the Leafs plan was and what the idea was behind acquiring Sam Lafferty, and it kind of also rolled into a Achari as well. He said on the forecheck, they want to get heavier. They want to get heavier in front of the net, and they want to be able to Finish pucks in front of that. He mentioned Sam Lafferty's finishing talent. i probably already said this before, but he mentioned Sam Lafferty. Oh, he has 17 points or whatever this year, but he's like, that's not really the biggest part that we love about his game. The biggest part that we loved about his game was his ability on the forecheck to throw the body around and get that puck. It's not really something you see from Pierre Engvall. Like Pierre Engvall is more of the speed guy. He's able to recover pucks, but he's not when it comes to physical contact, especially along the boards, you know he crumples like it's it's literally like hitting a giraffe, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh that was the major point. And When I heard that, it was kind of like okay, that makes sense why Pierikvall is gone.
0: So, well, I agree his- with Joe here too on that with Angvall because it's not just like. The you can even see it, it's obviously we'll get to the games and stuff, but in the game against New Jersey last night on the goal that Cali Yarncrog scores, where Lafferty drives the zone and enters, he's able with with his speed, and because part of it is like he's not afraid, he's able to drive everyone back and open up the space. 99 times out of a hundred with Angville, he drives the zone, he gets in with speed and then kind of pulls up on it. He pulls up not... too
1: early. He pulls right. up too early to the blue line. This is a issue, major issue against Montreal. He had like nine zone entries, which is ridiculous number, but he gave away so many because he curls up so close to the blue line. When you do that, you don't have any space and then yeah. you lose the puck. So that's a fantastic point you brought up. I almost forgot about that one where Lafferty pushed the the D further down into the offensive zone and then made that drop pass. So great point there.
0: And it's just kind of like the intensity that you see from the both of their games. Like, that's a minute example in all of it. But, like, it goes to show with the forecheck. You go, angle goes in on the forecheck. Maybe he gets to the guy still. But the last 10 feet, he's probably slowing up a little bit. He's going in light. Whereas Lafferty, like, we've watched this guy through, what, four or five games now. He's not going in there light. He's going in flying. And then he's not going to smash the guy's head through the glass. But he's still going in there hard where the guy has to think about the fact that somebody's behind him so it kind of just translate on both those ends and it, it is that little bit of like edge it, it it's that intangible of like yeah got that edge to your game where he's kind of got that differentiating factor over an angle
2: and on top of that like we saw yesterday for the islanders angle got like benched for i don't i don't know it was the third period because he like was doing drive bys left right center and almost and the islanders fans third on, period islanders fans are pissed on twitter because like they're almost saying like Blue, I would be two. He was minus on. two in a three-two win.
1: That's Dash off, yeah. two and didn't play the third
2: period. <laughs> Welcome not... to the team. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not the type of impression you want to make. And like especially again, like... on the on Islanders fans. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. We start the John, place you guys.
1: No. <laughs> yeah. There's like five five places in the NHL where you just can't do that. And that's that is especially one of them, I would say. Um but yeah, glad to have Sam Lafferty. Last night's lines were crazy. I can't wait to get into those. But um in terms of the trade deadline, you guys had a great point. I don't know which one of you wants to take this one, but the fact that the Leafs didn't add anything. They, they held on to that first round pick that they got from the Sandine trade. They didn't add any more forwards, which it kind of looked like it would they were going to, especially the fact that they, you know, you have you have nine total defense on your roster right now what, what do you see next, especially we'll say after April 4th, specifically, I believe that's the date. What do you see next to happen?
0: Yeah. Well, I was curious your guys' thoughts on this. It's something I kind of had a wait a minute moment after the deadline is, is on the same page as you and probably the majority of Leafs fans as well. Like after Tuesday, I basically sat here going, this isn't it. There's something else to come. I kept anticipating a, for, a trade for a forward to come on the Friday. Obviously the guy in my mind at that point was Tyler Bertuzzi. That was who I had my sets sight set on. I thought that would be a great ad. It uh, goes to Boston. That was a little bit of a disappointing thing to wake up to as a Leafs fan. Not only is Bertuzzi not a Leaf, but he's actually on the Bruins. So that hurt a little bit, but I just kept sitting there thinking like, all right, there's going to be another piece. Maybe it's a top nine guy, a guy who can fit into the third line, maybe like a Cali Yarncroke versatility where he can go up and down, but probably isn't best suited for the top six, something like that. That trade never comes. And you can, you sit there, like you said, Joe, like you got nine defensemen, you just grabbed a first round pick. Like we're not doing anything with any of that. We don't make any trade. It became really evident to me at that point that their final, like air quote last deadline move was just freeing up space to bring Matthew Nyes into the mix. And I'm kind of curious, like either of your thoughts, because I, my initial standpoint was a little bit of concern that they're relying on Nyes as that last piece, a kid from college. It doesn't always translate immediately. Not to say he couldn't be an incredible player, but like you're jumping into the playoffs right into the NHL on a team that's rolling. You're going to be relied upon a little bit more here that is kind of the piece that they looked at as the final piece. Like, was that concerning at all to you? Did you guys kind of get the same impression that that was their final trade deadline move as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, the the way you put it like that. Yeah. I will say one thing. I do want to backtrack a little bit on what I said before. They have nine, defenseman on the roster they did say though that they want to treat this period of time for connor timmons like training camp to get him a little bit stronger he's been out the past two off seasons so it's really affected his health so they're just going to use this time essentially as training camp for connor timmons don't really expect them to play until you know the games become meaningless so to speak right so in terms of your question though with matthew nyes is this a lot to rely upon hell yeah it is this is a guy that's I mean, 39 points in 34 games, 21 goals in 34 games, which is not like eye-popping. He was on a very good line, but he has had a very good season, especially by like the microstats-wise, and that's transitioning the puck up the ice. Um, his goals aren't him, you know, taking wrist shots from the top of the circle. All of his goals are coming front of the net, big strong ass in front, getting position, boxing guys out, and scoring in front of the net. Like, time's which Leafs the, the Leafs bottom six in the past has kind of struggled with doing so. So that was encouraging. It was encouraging to see a lot of his goals coming that way, but a hundred percent, this is a lot to be asking of a, what is he? 22, 2002 born late 2002 born. I don't want to do the math right now, whatever, <laughs> but it, it, it like, I can I can try to say like, okay, it, it, his play is translatable size hitting a little bit of speed in his game. His shot has a lot of velocity to it, but I think this is a lot to be asking for. I mean, you did want to fill a lot of leaf sands wanted to fill including us as well, that second line left wing you wanted to get a bonafide second left line left winger. I mean, and I say that right now. And as we speak right now, as the lines fell last game, Alex Kerfoot was in the top six again, not top six, sorry, top three, Again, don't know. I don't understand that one, but whatever. So, I mean, like, Nye's going into the top, the bottom six. Like, who ends up in that top six? It's, it's really a wait and see. It's a massive gamble. He could work out great. He could. He he could be that third piece, like he was with Root and Logan Cooley. He could mm. honestly compliment. Matthews Murray could compliment Tavares, Neilander, could compliment O'Reilly and whoever fantastically, but we're not gonna know that until and we're not gonna get a definite answer in that until we'll say game three that he's here. If he signs, Stephen. Jesus, getting yeah. ahead of ourselves here a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have gotten the concern. Someone was like, do you think he even signs? Like walks away free agency. Like, shut up.
2: <laughs> I mean, he could, and that's scary, but like, let's hope not. It seemed like his, in his interviews that he gave over the, like, I, I feel, I think it was like last off season. It seemed like, or I, I think it was training camp, whatever rookie camp, the rookie dev camp, Lee side, it seemed like he wants to be here, wants to sign. And
1: like,
0: he had one recent, off- with recently with masters too. I think it was a month okay. and a half ago. He did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. okay that's that, that there you go that's that's and i mean we've all it. been in university we've all gone away for university eventually you do want to leave so <laughs> yeah, you yeah like can, go to can... somewhere you don't want to move to you know another ohl barn so just saying yeah
2: <laughs> yeah but but with regards to that question on matthew nice being the last deadline move as much as i wanted them to get another forward it was tough there wasn't that really that many forwards available like uh were talking earlier about jvr off air like we did not want JVR at all. Like the cost was like too high. The price, the price of his contract was too high. It didn't really make Mm -hmm. sense for us. Like didn't really see the, while he's been like, honestly kind of had like a little mini renaissance to his career. I just didn't really see a fit. Um, I'm concerned about the fact that we're like relying on the rookie, but I think it's okay because like the guy who would come in for him is kind of just like a, a zero. Like he does nothing offensively. He does nothing defensively in Zach, ass and Reese. So it's like, as much as I wish, but sorry, I meant like a zero as in like nothing happens when he's on the ice. That's what I mean. Like the yeah, uh, sure not allowing expected goals forward and goals success Anyways, but um yeah, like i of, of course I'm a little worried that we're lying on him, but also like could could work out well. Um yeah. So yeah, it's it's scary, scary thing to think about. The the toughest part though is like what we'll like you said, like we'll really only get to see like what Matthew Nice is like a couple of games in, and we might not have that opportunity before the playoffs because the way that the uh frozen forest structure if that if the, if his team goes deep we're not gonna we're not gonna see him till like literally the last three games of the season those will be they were ranked be, number be one in the
1: country multiple yeah times so we're, we're they're probably finished number one as well
2: if you're a Leafs yeah. fan we're 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 cheering for a round one upset for Minnesota Ooh. so yeah <laughs> so we can get our hands on Matthew I nice as quickly as possible but um yeah like any like I'm just trying to think of other forwards we could have gone like we could have gone like Verana, who's like, like kind of a there's one like I don't
1: know uh, Verana's. We like, don't really know what's going on there. Lebanc's a good one. That also, like maybe, though, that's a contract's a little steep. Like Connor Garland as well. Like, again, could, top, if you move yeah. to first. Like Zach, you mentioned Tyler Bertuzzi, and it's like it's it wasn't unrealistic. What did he go for? Yeah. A first and a fourth. We had mm-hmm. a first. I don't know if dig up a fourth somewhere there. Yeah. I mean, the issue with Tyler Bertuzzi is like back injuries or nothing to mess with that could have been that honestly would have been closer to a Felino type deal um, than people would have liked to admit. I mean, his back is, is kind of not that good. Right. And skating stride isn't the quickest, um, but overall, he's still a great player. There's a reason he had 62 and 68 last year, but yeah. Yeah, I just like I like to tell myself that like the the vaccine was like the
2: big issue here, and we couldn't couldn't clear that, so that's why I, I'm I'm nah. like kind of copiuming myself into why we weren't in on Bertuzzi, but like other than I honestly those honestly, think guys, the though,
1: perfect player, like that realistic perfect player would have been Connor Garland.
2: Yeah, but Connor again, Per-Garland like that back. comes with so much term, right? Like it's tough, like a player. Yeah, but like is like we're in the same complimentary
1: where, top top six winner winger. I, he, sure like, he's a little guy good in the front con- of that
2: contract is steep. We need guys who can outperform their number. And I, I don't think he's so like, he probably plays around his number. He does like, maybe yeah. slightly outperform like, but like we need guys who can like really outperform their number. So yeah. Uh, How well, much guess-
0: difference do you think that Connor Garland would be then He is different. I'm not trying to say that with this question, but like how much different do you think Connor Garland would be than like a a bunting or a Kerfoot in this lineup right now? Like, I agree with your kind of assessment there of like good guy in front of the net. He's got a little fire to his game. Uh, He's skilled. He's fast player. But like, how different is that to what we have?
1: Different than Kerfoot in the sense that he doesn't lose his absolute fucking mind every time he touches the scoring (laughs) area. Yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) exo exo Kerfoot. I I I do think you have a good point though with like Michael Bunting, which when you look at contract wise, I mean that it's kind of an interesting, um, interesting comparable. Bunting scored his twentieth last last night, and Connor Garland has a career high of twenty two. So. Kind of an interesting. I, I think
2: I think they're right in between those two guys. It's like obviously different different style. Like uh, Garland is more similar to Bunting than he is Kerfoot. Like different mm-hmm. styles of play across the board there. But I think if you were to like rank the three, it'd be like Bunting, Garland, uh right. Kerfoot. And
1: I'm doing like my hands yeah. ranking them. Right. So one one Bunting, two Garland, three Kerfoot. Yeah. Yeah, it is that similar sort of player archetype. I would say though, like complementary top six. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kerfoot is unfortunately lumped in there because the Leafs just choose to shove him into that archetype. It's a, it's a really a round round peg square hole situation. I like Kerfoot, yeah. but like, just this guy's never going to score ever again. <laughs> Mostled. Yeah, Mostled yeah. yeah I,
2: I I don't know why there was there was a bad line out there. Ker, when I saw Kerfoot was on on the first line, I do this to myself all the time. It was like plus six twenty, and I went and hit it, and it obviously never never works out, but. Yeah. Anyways, it's got I just Dude. gotta stop stop doing that when he gets promoted to the first line. Like getting those. I lines. used to
1: do that with uh Mikhayev. You remember that year it was the like the the bubble yeah, season? Yeah, yeah. I was doing that with Makayev like every single game. like plus three thirty. He's gonna score. He hasn't scored in a full calendar year. Nope. <laughs> and then Ever. the next year it just goes on.
2: The once you stop, yeah. he goes off.
0: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He was like oh. a Michael Grabner. He'd have like a hundred breakaways a year. He scored on like five of them. Yep.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. And now this year, ever since I posted that vid- video of William Nylander breakaways, he's the new frickin' Michael Grabner. Yeah, <laughs> <He's> gone <gotten laughs> one for not- twelve since I- he's gone like one for twelve on breakaways and penalty shots since I posted that. I can't believe it. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, um, was there any other points you guys had with regards to the trade deadline, sort of? I'm good no.
0: No, that was, kind of, that was kind of it for me, yeah. Yeah. All
1: right, let's get into the games. Um, we had the West Coast swing, so it would have been, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and then New Jersey from last night, correct? Correct, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Edmonton, yeah, um, Calgary, Calgary. not really much to say about the Edmonton, game. plain and simple. Burn the tape and leave it. Yeah, move on they were that. horrible. Um, so let's get into let's get into the most recent game first, the New Jersey one. Overall, do you think that they deserve to win that one?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I thought they played, like, they obviously did not play that well in the first period. I, I also think that, like, the shot total was a little fudged with, like, a, like New Jersey's kind of known for having, like, really bad scorekeeping bias. Like, they're, like, one of those, like, uh, stadiums that really, like, benefits too. the home, home ice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, well, don't get me wrong. We did not play well in the first period, but I thought, how we came out in the second, and how we responded in the second and third. I thought we like kind of deserved to win that game, and the way Ilya Samsonov that like that was the biggest thing for me. He's like he's really cementing himself as like I I feel like it's it's been a question recently, but like I think he's it's pretty clear now that he's like for sure going to be our guy number our number one guy going into the playoffs. Now I don't know if he'll hold on to that in the first series, but we'll have to see. But like. Yeah, it's kind of of, funny. I saw a lot of TSN
1: people bringing up. They're like, "Oh, if Matt Murray's hurt, healthy for Game One, is he your starter?" I'm like, "Well, if spring, I don't know, if spring weather comes in April, like, will it be like? You can't. It's a lot to be asking. It's a long time from now for him for Matt Murray, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting. I mean, Samsonov did play well. You're very, very right on that one. You're not, you're not winning that. You're not coming away with a win on the road. Um." (laughs) Fresh off getting hit in the Nadsden warm up, which is always a nice <laughs> little wake me up there, um, and then you come out flat like that. That was a that was a very like there's always ebbs and flows in games, like game inside of the game we like to call it. And if you if you let him one in that first period, like you could have been toast. Samsonov really did help to to settle the waters, I would say. And then the Leafs, you know, caught up in shots at one point. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though, in this game, Plantes Holmberg has had a good season. You might want to, you know, drive up the, up to Sudbury, Ontario, dig a six foot hole, and put the game tape in there. That was one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a long time from anyone. Oh my God, he stunk.
0: Yeah, that was a bad game for him last night. That was well, there's a reason that he was not touching ice in the third period, and they're putting bunting with, with Camp at that point. It's just like, all right, <laughs> these guys are done. They can't go back out there again. It was, uh it's hard because, like you're right, he's had a good season. He has never looked out of place during the entire year. He kind of just got pushed out naturally by bringing other NHLers in, and then it was like he goes in there last night. I was like, well, nah, yeah, probably shouldn't do this again. <laughs>
1: Yeah, dash one. I think he was on the ice for maybe two goals against, but the four minute oh, the goal against, which wasn't great, and then the four minute penalty as well, which really helped right to get New Jersey back into that game. Like tough, tough game for him. But I did want to touch on, and this was the biggest point of the game. There was no John Tavares, no no Ryan O'Reilly. 18 million dollars worth for uh, centers specifically out we, we everyone's hammering the table look at this great center depth the Leafs finally have well 18 million dollars worth of it was sitting on the sidelines for that game so we had Sam Lafferty join the 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 middle of the ice with William Nylander and Callie Arncroft what'd you guys think of that line I love that line, I honestly. actually liked
0: it yeah I kind of liked it. There was, I don't know if you guys saw circulating today on Twitter was the possibility of maybe rolling with like Nylander on the third line into the playoffs, bumping O'Reilly up to the second line, going with that, and then running that similar line out for the for uh third line. You move bunting first line, O'Reilly, second line, uh, maybe find a way to get nice into there. I don't know how it would work necessarily from moving guys around positionally right wing to left wing. But then if you go with that. Nylander Kerfoot Lafferty line one thing you've gotten out of Nylander this year which is I think a lot of people have not really expected was like a defensive buy-in and by no means is this guy ever in his career even going to be considered for like a selkie or anything like that but don't be a detriment defensively. And he hasn't been this year. He's he's at least engaged. He's there. He exists defensively. And then he's an offensive creator. We saw last night, Sam Lafferty, the speed that he has and yarn croak has what, what Kerfoot doesn't an ability to finish. he's not going to create opportunities for himself out of thin air, but if you get him into opportunities where he can finish, he's going to capitalize on them more than not, I would say. So that line was fast. They forechecked, they won battles, they played pretty well defensively. I I I like the line. I like what I saw about them. I'm not necessarily jumping on board with the entire let's throw them together into the playoffs here. But like as far as hey, we need to shake things up, maybe throw things in a blender like Keith likes to do, that's a line I, I would be okay with. They said, All right, let's throw them back together and give the other team a little bit of a matchup nightmare between the three Matthews won one line Marner uh, in there JT O'Reilly and then now all of a sudden Nylanders on a different line it can be hard to match up with
1: for sure and I mean they tried to do something like what you mentioned last year with camp and it just did not work yeah. but I don't think like that's a that shouldn't have been like a a sign that I ah, like Nylander can't run his own line. He can't elevate that third line quality into a second line quality which we saw last night. I mean, the number one thing about that line that I really like, like Sam Lafferty didn't look quite like a center last night I'll say. Like he has played center, but he's very fast. He was like he likes to be first on the puck he likes to, he likes to chase the puck but Nylander does have that center sort of instinct again he's not a center as well but he did a great job covering callie yarncrock who has also played center so that's three centers actually i'm just realizing now on one line they all kind of read off of each other very well. And I feel like that's really what helped them defensively, especially in the, the, uh, the opposition's offensive zone, because you can, really get burned. If it's three guys chasing the puck like that, you have three centers on that line. You always have that F three and it really like they created chances. Again, they had the goal, Callie Arncroft hit the post. There was that chance where Nylander took a clapper from in close. Callie skipped over Callie Yarncrocks' stick. There was a couple other chances in there as well. Like that was the Leafs best line. And the center was Sam Lafferty who last <laughs> season in 35 games had zero goals with the penguins. Like it's a credit to Nylander, but it's also a credit. I mean, Callie Arncroft just, he's very good with good players, just gets those soft spots and puts the puck in the back of the net, which what more can you ask for? Right.
2: Yeah. Uh, And the funniest thing with uh, that line is that they were paired up with like the Hughes line the most. So like, I, obviously that was our second line tonight, but like, man, that's a really strong offensive line for New Jersey. And like, not only like, obviously they didn't win the expected goals battle. Like when, that that is not a second line so when you're match up another, against another second line I don't I didn't fully expect them to win that expectables but they didn't look as poorly as I thought they would look against them they were able to hold their own and I think I didn't really think about this till now till you mentioned it Joe but like they're all centers right so it it the way we play in our own zone like it's not we don't usually play like traditional C goes here right wing goes here left wing goes here it's kind of like a free flow or it's like whoever's in the that spot plays in that spot it's the five on the die the tight five right so that probably will help them as a line like be able to be good defensively and like break the puck out and and just be sound positionally and and on top of that like like Zach said like again the Nylander buying in thing is huge like we saw it with the the uh the in the Calgary game with the hit on on sorry the Vancouver game with the hit on John Tavares. Mm. McCabe came in like a like a lightning bolt just going in hard but Nylander was the first guy to bump in and and like he showed something and like, I don't think yeah. he ever like, that's Nylander last year would not have done that. Nylander two years ago would have never done that. And it's like, he's, he's buying in now. So I, I think this, like, if, if, if we're ever going to try Nylander on the third line, this year is probably the year to do it with the center. Definitely have with the players we have, it, it could work. And I, exactly. I was happy with the line. Like, I, I know that was, was kind of running away from your question there, but yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with that line. And I texted you guys like uh in the third period, like, uh in, in our group chat saying like i'm shocked that like i actually enjoy this line i didn't expect it but it, they, they look good yeah me neither
1: me neither. especially like sam lafferty from what i had seen on the wing i was like how is this guy gonna kind of rein it in but he had a good support system around him. like i wouldn't i wouldn't put him center with like in the playoffs especially with like like three two other non you know yeah defensive minded players but yeah. it seemed to work um I think in terms of this game, the other point that we have to get into Jake McCabe and and TJ Brody as well, and that's six on five. Oh my like, I've never been more comfortable. Like twenty-seven years being a Leafs fan, I have never been more comfortable in a six on five situation than that right there. Against a good offensive team, in the Devils, too. That was crazy. Usually, like the Leafs go up a man in the third period tied. And I'm like, oh, geez, here we go again. (laughs) Six on five, you're up a goal. And we got that performance. That was insane. Jake McCabe blocked, what, two centering passes, got the puck out a couple times too, no icings on top of that. Like, oh my, god, what a welcome addition that's been.
0: Boys, I fell in love with Jake McCabe last night. I texted Jason after, and after the third period, it like ended, as soon as that buzzer hit, I messaged him I'm like, I love this guy. And it's like, he's not going to blow you away with anything that he does, but he's just solid. And he's so calm, Joe. I think that's why you you and myself felt calm watching it. It was like, you're watching this guy who's not running around. He's not losing people. He's not panicking. He's just in a comfortable spot. Like you brought up the blocked pass across. Like that's a backdoor tap-in essentially. He goes on a one knee in his own slot, like a foot above the crease. Not only does he block the pass, but he goes and makes a play. It doesn't leave the zone, it gets blocked, It comes back the other way. But like he's on one knee, making a play in front of his net, and I'm watching this. I, I didn't even feel panicked watching. And as you said, like years past, I'm watching this team, basically you're biting your fingernails off at, at the end of the game there, and watching this guy out there, even offensively, he's not going to bring that to like a crazy extent, but there's plays where you see him and Brody, the way that they worked in the, in the offensive zone, going back and forth, they're just calm with the puck. There's no panic to it. There's no rushing it. You're not making a stupid play, trying to force it down to somebody. If you're getting pressured, you see the two of them. They have heads up all the time, putting puck in the corner to a retrievable position, which is something that not all of our defensemen do when they get pressured, they'll just fire it into the corner because like, Oh, Hey, our forwards are down there somewhere. But McCabe was making plays to positions where it's like, we can win this battle. We can get this puck back. And then putting pucks through on the net, I, I don't know. I like, I fell in love with him last night. I, I couldn't, I didn't have enough good things to say about it after the game.
2: Yeah. Exactly. And, and him, and, him and Brody work, work so, so well together. Like it's, it's that like, I've been clamoring for a pairing like that. Like since we lost Jake Muzzin, we I've always believed that Muzzin and Brody were our optimal pairings. Those guys work well together. You need, you need, you need in the playoffs, like, especially against the, the, the strong offensive teams. We're going to play in the playoffs in the East. Like you need a strong shutdown pair. And the Leafs never really had that shutdown pair unless Muzzin and Brody were paired together. And when we lost Muzzin, it was like, who's going to, who's going to be our shutdown guy, right? Like Brody's, is it going to be Brody Lilgren? Like that maybe was going to work, but then man, McCabe is such a, such a welcoming addition. Like, so we're, I'm so happy to have him on our team. Like I just really am. And the, the fact that he makes two, two mil for the next two years is just yeah. that's the cherry on top. Like we have like a legit, Shut down D who can do like who do literally do everything all over the ice. He can transition the puck well. He's not absolutely dog dog water in the offensive zone. Like he does he does everything like good enough that it's like it's a steal. He's a, he's an absolute steal and like welcome addition to the team. Very welcome addition. I'm trying to like very much. I'm trying to find his evolving wild
1: defensive numbers. Yeah, there he is he's like I ah, he's like high up there. He Were hasn't he? given up a goal as a leaf yet. And on top yeah. of that, from what I've seen, um, he's jumped up into the offense a lot more than I expected, which has been pretty good. And I mean, it resulted in a pretty good chance against Calgary. If you remember Kerfoot had the open net and it got blocked and went over the net, obviously. Um, uh, but that was a, that was a great play to jump up in the offense offense there. Um, and to your point as well with the, the, the hits, they're, they're functional functional hits, which is something the Leafs absolutely needed. They unfortunately went and got another person that doesn't quite do that as well, but we'll get into that in a bit. Um, But yeah, this New Jersey game, I I think like, again, going back to game within the game, New Jersey went up, the Leafs drew even with them in terms of gameplay, in terms of chances, everything. They really did fall behind in the start of that third period. I think they got it back a little bit mid second or mid third. And then, it resulted in two quick goals. I think New Jersey outplayed them a little bit in this one. So not a total didn't deserve to win this one, but also like on top of that, the Leafs hit the inside of the post. I don't know if New Jersey hit the post, but Jack Hughes got a couple sneaky looks here and there. Like it was overall a very interesting game. It was a tale of, you could say four games inside of one, but. Overall, pretty entertaining game. Have nothing until Saturday, so you got that one at least to look back on. But, yeah. Um, any thoughts from the Vancouver game? Burn
0: the tapes. Burn the tapes. <laughs>
1: burn the
2: tapes. Yeah. West Coast Road I, Trip, majority of the time, it's burn the tapes. <laughs>
1: I had some. I, I thought they got a lot of chances. They went up early in shots. They just couldn't convert it 5-on-5. Five five. Vancouver won this game 4-1. They had one 5-on-5 five five goal. The Leafs had 0 but again, when you look at this game, they're tied 1-1 in the third period. Alex Kerfoot gets a very good look. It's the inside of the post. If that goes in, that's a totally different game. And then right after that, they drew a penalty. Usually when you draw a penalty, you don't give up two yeah. in one period. That, I, I could not believe that. But an overarching point that nobody's talking about from that game, you went 11 forwards. What happened at the end of the second you lost one, and then on top of that, in the third period, if I counted right, Matthews, Nylander, Marner played around eight minutes. At the end of the West Coast swing, few games in, in some tight time. I, I it's it's a tough position to be in. There, they they looked gassed on that power play too. Like, I feel like it wasn't as bad of a game. You lost to a garbage team. Let's be honest. That team is garbage. They shouldn't be within the same stratosphere of the Leafs. But you couldn't convert early on your chances, which which happens. Thatcher Demko is a very good goaltender as as well. And then you got hosed on that power play. You just played like garbage. You you had some tired bodies out there. But overall in this one, something that I was looking for in the New Jersey game and that we saw, Ryan O'Reilly is very good at helping to turn over pucks in the offensive zone. They kind of lost that when they didn't have him. And other lines did struggle to do that. Vancouver's broke out the puck way too easy on them, so just something to to keep in mind with him out. But I I think they they'll be fine for the most part. They got some guys that can turn the puck over there. But yeah, Luke Shen looked okay in that one. Only one turnover, which I'll get into his game. Actually, I'll skip over that. But overall, it, it was just like it wasn't. It shouldn't have been as bad as the result was, in my opinion. Like you I got some saves too from Matt Murray. You got some yeah, good it, saves.
2: It it feels like we're cursed whenever we go on eleven and seven. Like I think it's only worked out. I mean, it feels like we've it's worked out we've like once in like, the past two years. Yeah, we've done it like two or three times in the past two years. Like on the West Coast too. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and yeah, like last year with Andre, and Andre Kasha. Yes. The door oh off yeah. With yeah. the hit. Okay? Yeah. You had yeah. to go down yeah. to ten, and, and then what happened
1: that game? You had a tired game, and you lost.
2: Yeah. So a bit a bit of an excuse to let it slide. They're also uh yeah, like we, and my and last point,
1: uh, yeah. Go my ahead, last sorry, point from I, that I game, go back and watch that JT Miller goal on the, the penalty kill. The puck should not like that that's that's one of the better shots I've seen this year in terms of just fooling the goaltender. When your feet are that wide apart, when the puck is that far away from your body the puck should not be rifled on the opposite side of the net top shelf. In terms of a goalie, when I read that situation, okay, legs are wide apart, pucks far away from the body. Okay, this is going to be a nice, hard, low shot, five full, um, or on his close side, we'll say, because or or if he's going far side, he's going to have to pull that puck in. He rifled that with almost no follow through on it, and it went top glove. Matt Murray fully just dropped dropped there got a little sloppy upper body form but I wouldn't have been expecting the puck to go there I wasn't I was watching the the damn thing go off his stick and I was like oh damn it's that shit's in the back of the net that was a fantastic shot from JT Miller I encourage everyone to go back and slow it down a lot and see like look at the every facet of, uh, facet of his body and then question how did that puck go top glove what a what a shot what a talent but
0: yeah I, my only real gripe with that Vancouver game, which just kind of was the frustrating thing to take away, was the power play. Uh, I've had an issue with it all year. I think that they struggle with the zone entry. I really don't like the the double 30-foot slingshot. And I think it's just because you have guys who have an ability to carry the puck across into the zone. And it just became more evident to me, like the more I've watched Edmonton and how they enter the zone in the power play, they kind of just load up, let McDavid and Dreisaitl enter the zone and carry it in, possess the puck across the blue line, and then set things up after the fact. Those are obviously very different players. They're capable of doing it to a different extent, Uh, but it's more just like things get slowed down and then they struggle to enter the zone. And I just look at the way that they entered the zone like last night in the Devils game with the pass uh, where Nylander fires it to Matthews, he scores the game winner. It is fast. It is bang, bang, get in the zone and nobody has an opportunity to kind of catch up Make you slow down or be able to set up themselves, but then whatever once you get into the zone the thing i've had one of the issues that i've had with the power plays it just feels uh, like they lack a sense of urgency, and I think that that's kind of what led to the the two goals against in that one it was just it just felt like an abundance of lack of urgency going on from the guys on the ACE where they just didn't have that in them. I think that you're right there as well with like, maybe you're just tired at that point. You've lost another guy. You're down to 10 forwards, playing a lot more minutes. You're on a long road trip. You also did just have to deal with the emotional drain of, all right, say bye to Sandine, and say bye to Engvall that deadline just passed. There's a lot going on, but that power play was just like, well, what are we doing here? And then it kind of just kills the game at that point. You give up two on your power play and it's, it's, it's over at that point. But that was like the biggest gripe for me. I, I think the rest of the game, I'm pretty much on the same page as you there with it, but that was what it came to.
1: So actually in that game, I lost my mind at it too. It's a great point that you bring up the power play zone entry, because there was a point in that game, Morgan Riley carried the puck up in the and def- from the defensive zone up, they were going to do their little entry, whatever. And a Vancouver player just hung behind him and intercepted the drop pass, right? because the drop pass is only effective if you actually sell the fake if you're not like they have to introduce either Riley carrying it in for, uh, in himself imposing that threat like they did with the five forwards or you have to actually sell the drop like you did last Mm -hmm. game against New Jersey in that goal, Nylander, before he got that puck, what happened? Riley carried it up into the, into the neutral zone. He crossed the red line. He waited, he waited, he waited, he turned and he fired it over to Nylander and they got a little bit more space. And then as a result, they were able to score. So that's a good point. And I do want to take a look at, as you mentioned that the Edmonton power play break in a little bit closer and compare the two of them.
0: Like the thing on that, and Jason, I know you have something to say about it, but like it's, I'm fine with the drop pass. And it's like you're saying it's the sell, but like Edmonton does the drop. But the thing is that the guy coming through, picking up the puck, he's full steam ahead when he gets the puck and he's committed to the lane. He's committed to the decision of going through. The other thing is the defenseman who's carrying puck up ice or the forward who's carrying the puck up at the ice prior to the drop pass, they're not going five miles an hour, five kilometers an hour up the ice, like Riley saunters up the ice to center and everyone just kind of slowly moves back. And then it's like, well, then it comes to Mitch, then it goes to Austin. And now everyone's just standing there and it's fine if the other team is standing there and you can take advantage of that. But if your own team is just standing there too, like it just kind of kills everybody. Cause now one guy's going into the zone and everyone else is just like walking across the blue line. Like there's no momentum to it going on.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. And that's why it's like, I don't know. That's why I love the five, five forward power play so much. Just simply because of the entries. I think that like, we literally have like two of the best uh, transition forwards in the NHL and Mitch Marner and, and Willie Nylander and carrying the puck through the neutrals on. They're like literally among the best. Austin Matthews is no slouch either, but those guys are like the elite of the elite. So if you're able to have like that, with that five forward power play, we had Nylander as the guy taking up the up the puck up the ice instead of Morgan Riley. And then it was either a drop to Marner or he gets the zone. Right. And mm-hmm. I just don't see, like, I, it's, it may sound silly because like, why are we having Morgan Riley at the blue line? But like, let's just stick Morgan Riley at the other team's blue line. And like, just let William Nylander be the guy carrying the, the, that puck in the zone. I know it, it's kind of bananas. Cause it's like, doesn't seem like it makes sense because why is our forward doing that and why is our defenseman out there? But like, if we're going to roll with that five as a group, I think it makes more sense to have Nylander be the puck here than Morgan Riley. Just simple as that. Like, yeah. It's
1: not bad. Well, the other what thing
0: too, do? is like, even instead of just thinking about like, okay, can you get the zone? Even if you can get the zone, just think about how much time of the two minutes is gone by the time you do. Okay. You're yeah. fine at getting in. You can set up, you do that. Great. You've gotten there. You also just burn 30 seconds of your power play, just getting the zone. Cause it's just so slow to build up, to get in there that it's like, now we're down to the minute and a half. And if they shoot the puck down the ice one more time, like we're screwed. Like this power play is irrelevant at this point. Like that just, it just drives me nuts watching that happen. It just feels slow. It feels like there's no urgency. It feels like there's no pace to the power play.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Um, yeah. So that was the Vancouver game uh, in terms of, the Calgary game. I mean, it was one started off a little bit slow. Welcome to the Leafs, Eric Gustafson in the first, like, I don't know how many minutes, but they were able his to first shift. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> Tough goal, but they were able to get it together. I thought Joseph Wool had a pretty solid game in that one. I was really excited to get a better look at him. Unfortunately, I think they played well defensively in front of him and Justin hold did save him on one, one of those blocks late, but you know, um, unfortunately we don't get a better look in the NHL from him this year. Hopefully we do eventually because I thought he looked pretty solid in that one. But outside of that, um yeah, in that game we did see we did see why Morgan Riley is a decent offensive defenseman in that one with that game winning goal. I mean, that's a good recognition to to pinch in through the neutral zone, got that breakaway and Callie Yarncroft was able to to finish on that one. But yeah. Any other Calgary points? I it's been a, it was a while ago, so kind of irrelevant now, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, no, just nice to see like some type of battle and through adversity in that one, that Calgary team. You're playing in Calgary, playing on the back to back. I believe it was at that point. Uh, you get down early with that little Gustafson gaff at the blue line, and no quit. Like Markstrom's being. Elevating his game over the last little while, he's he's not back to where he was when he was like a Vez a caliber goaltender, but he's elevating back, trying to trend in the right direction. And you go in there in a situation where you're down, you're tired, you just had a terrible loss to the Oilers, or you basically didn't even show up, and find a way to win. I, like I was, uh, I was happy. That was like my biggest takeaway was like find ways to win if you're even if you're down in these games where it's maybe a slower he- or not slower, but like a heavier slow the game down type of team find ways to win, find ways to grit those out. And it's kind of nice to see from the team in that one.
1: Yeah. Markstrom actually surprised fast past four starts has been much, much better. Mm -hmm. But one thing I did notice from his game, like the Leafs did get a few great chances, that one on him that should have maybe gone in like Mitch Marner was all over the ice in that one. He had a fantastic game, really dirty goal on top of that. One thing I noticed with Markstrom that I want to, I don't know, if you're watching Calgary for whatever reason, after the Leafs game on Saturday, for whatever reason, you're watching Calgary Markstrom, when the pucks coming down the off the rush on, on one of his sides, either of his sides. I noticed that he, he when the shot is delivered, he doesn't stay square enough to the puck. He kind of turns a little bit. And that was why uh, Marner was able to hit the post on one of his rush opportunities there. So just something I'd want to keep an eye on because i don't think he's also been very good off the rush in the past couple seasons so and he's a big dude too like when you when you lose that squareness to the puck like you instantly you're taking away all that advantage of being six foot six so yeah. yeah those were the games let's get into a little grading of what we've seen so far from the new guys shall we do
2: it yeah let's Do you want do to it.
1: include uh o'reilly achari in this one too oh uh, yeah why might not as well. yeah might as well Deadline. That, right. that, that close enough. Deadline. Year, so. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. So let's go, Noel Chari. From what you've seen from him so far, what would you give him? I'm gonna give him like a B minus, um, just for fit
2: wise. Like, again, like we didn't bring him in to be a top six guy. We brought him in for a fourth line role, bottom six role. We bought him, brought him in as a physical presence again to kind of change the makeup of our bottom six. Uh, make it a little harder to play against. And I think he's done that pretty well. He looked good in his first couple of games. It's kind of gone a little bit, feels like a little bit, and uh, in, not invisible the last couple of games, but hasn't really been as prominent as the last, uh, the last couple of games, but um been yeah, top I, Going 11 forwards, especially like that's mm. true. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I know what you mean. The, the lack of continuity definitely doesn't help at all. So, um, but yeah I, I, I like his physical ability, he showed his goal scoring ability. He kind of has shown us everything that he's like why he was brought in. so I think it was a, a pretty good a b b minus is what I get a pretty good acquisition. I don't know if that's too low. I'm curious what you guys have to say about it,
1: but
0: no I think well, that's
1: yeah, <laughs> I, go on.
0: I was nervous. I texted Jason before I'm like, I think my grades might come in high. I got an a I've got an A minus on him
2: Ooh, um, that's good.
0: Yeah, I'm not, like, blown away, but I think that he's fit what we want him to do so i think for me that's kind of where we're at, where i'm at with it and the other thing is i think that this might be like that sneaky very good addition in the playoffs where you kind of go sit there and go that was the pickup that we made that was really good and that kind of pushed us over the edge in this battle or this game and it's probably not going to be because of a goal uh he scores but it might be because of uh, a four check and it caused turnover or a neutral zone turnover or something like that or a hit that caused momentum i think we're going to see that We see some of the things he's done to a lesser degree through the past couple of games, but as you guys kind of mentioned there, like can't really get into a role of things. You have guys going in and out of the lineup. You're changing lines every night. You play with 11 forwards. Like there's a lot of things happening around him, but he also kills penalties. He can play late game situations. I I think that I have a lot of trust in him out there, not necessarily want him to be like the closing guy every night, but I just don't feel like he's going to, turn around and like stab us in the back with some terrible mistake that we might've seen out of some of the guys in our bottom six before. And he's kind of reliable. And I just, I think more of what my grade comes to is what I think he will be in the playoffs at which I know we're obviously trying to grade for what he's done the past little few games, but just that fit he's that he's done what I think we want him to do. And I think that in the playoffs, that's going to be the piece where you're like, wow, that's a playoff player.
2: Yeah. And also if you compare like to the guys, like you said, who he's replacing, it's like, it's night and day. It's like really yeah. is night and day. So uh, maybe I'm coming too low on these. Things. <laughs> well, we were literally know. saying the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I'm kind of more so on Jason's grade. We'll say just because like, I mean, I, I, I understand what Zach's saying in terms of like the vibes, wide, the fit wise, mm-hmm. what we have in there versus what we like, who he is versus what we would have in there instead of him, which was Pontus Holmberg, which we saw last night, which is unfortunate. And I mean, if you have that kid in the playoffs, like pressure's on, like it's gets a little bit harder to play in the playoffs. How would he look there? So I understand what you're saying there. And it is more of like a, he has been doing well defensively, like in nine games, he has, I think it's six takeaways, which is these stats are a little bit fugazi, but I'd agree with it as well. 30 hits on top of that too. Like he has brought something, but the one goal in nine games, and I understand why, I mean, it's not easy to play, be, be the fourth line center with 11 forwards, but one goal in nine games does force me to bring that grade down. To what Jason's yeah. saying, but I do fully understand what you're saying, Zach. He is, he has been a welcome addition. It's not no slight against him at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, I think that's fair. I, I don't think you guys are ridiculous for throwing out the B minus. I knew I was going to be on the higher side of it, but yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> good reason. That's all we asked for. Uh, let's go, other uh, St. Louis Blues buddy, Ryan O'Reilly, who is unfortunately now going to be out for the next four weeks. You can include that in the the evaluation as well.
0: I'll let you All right. start, Jason. I want to yeah, know where I come start. in on this one compared. All
2: right. Uh, okay. I kind of battled back and forth to this one. And I don't know if this is like fair, but uh, with fit wise for the team, it's going to sound crazy. I'm not going, I'm going an A, obviously. And you guys are going to think I'm, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, listen, oh, Ryan O'Reilly, since he's joined the team, I would have given this an A. The only problem I have is I still am not convinced the optimal lineup is with him on and Tavares on the wing. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but we're talking about fit on the team. And if bringing him in causes Tavares to go on the wing, and I know we just literally spent 20 minutes talking about how we might like a a third line of Lafferty with center, but like, I really think like if, if we were to go three deep with center, it makes our team a lot better. Um, And I think pushing, if, acquiring o'reilly means pushing Tavares on the wing that bumps him like a half grade down for me other than that if you're talking about o'reilly as a player like what he's done since he's joined the team uh he's like played completely different than than what he played in st louis other than like the last two games he had in st louis when he was playing with actual good players my brother was texting us you and i joe i forget the stats i wish i had the mommy right now but just talking about his average uh I think it was his guard per game for the Leafs. And it's just
1: like... Yeah, his goals above replacement, his essentially baseball equivalent of war since he's joined the Leafs has been utterly insane. Um, I really should have the numbers in front of me. I don't in terms of what his impact. I mean, I was surprised to see though when when they announced that he was injured, I saw the numbers eight and five and it was points and games played. And I was like, oh, he's only played five games. He has eight points because he's been that good. But unfortunately, he's only got five points in eight games and four of them came in one game. I thought that was kind of surprising. I thought he's had a much bigger impact than that. But
2: yeah, well, he, yeah. to be fair, he doesn't really doesn't get the the benefit of getting that sweet PP one spot on this team. So that's uh doesn't doesn't really help generate points but um yeah that's it's it's a good point it felt like yeah I guess guess he hasn't really scoring been scoring that much but to be fair to him he hasn't really experienced a lot of continuity like we said with his lines like he was kind of like only played three lines three games with Marner and then he played the rest with Nylander and Tavares so the continuity might be an issue but I think like overall impact like people were worried about when we acquired him um like if he's the same Ryan O'Reilly as he was from years past, like even though he's only like three years removed from his uh, from, from the cup finals and the uh, and, and winning the, the, the MVP in, in the finals, like he was, he, if you were worried that we're not going to get that same player, but like he's shown in a very small stretch of games with the Leafs that he's still that guy. He is that guy. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. Uh, I'm curious to hear what Zach has to say about uh, O'Reilly here. I think, I think our grades are going to be similar though.
0: They're gonna be extremely similar. They're the exact same. I've got an A for it as well. Uh my concern with the fit doesn't have to do with O'Reilly, which I think might have like skewed me a little bit here. But it's what you said is like, okay, he plays on the he plays on the uh line with Tavares. Tavares bumps over to the wing. Well, okay, now what? Who does Keith want on that right wing? Because I love Nylander. I love what he's done this year. Like I have been the biggest Nylander stand this season. The the amount that I've supported him and how much his game has seemed to evolve this year. But that being said, there is a very big dynamic change between Nylander and Marner playing with Tavares. I don't think it's as drastic playing with Matthews, but it is, it's noticeable playing with Tavares the way that that line kind of shakes up and plays. So, okay. He goes there. Now, the first question I have is who's the right winger. All right, now move on. You've picked your right winger. Now it's like where does they go from here? Who's the lines underneath and how do you sh- how do you not just like who plays on third line or who plays on fourth line, but how do you kind of build them? I have questions, not as much concerns, but questions about how that'll be built out. And then the other thing, which is more of what my concern is than anything else, if he goes onto the third line, that O'Reilly that is, and he plays center, does Sheldon Keefe and his thick skull say Alex Kerfoot needs to play in our top six right now? Because if he does, like I'm putting my head through the wall and and you guys will never see me again. But it, it that's that's where my concern comes in. Is like I think he's really good a, a good fit. He's the perfect guy to get here he's the leader the hockey IQ strong physical uh can contribute offensively he's one he's been that guy to do that and push a team over the edge get them over the hump uh, i just more wonder not even like how does he fit just like what does Sheldon Keith do with this because Sheldon Keith is like the x factor of how that lines up that's where my concern comes in but yeah i give it an a i give him an a on this
1: That is a really good point. I mean, yeah, going back to what Jason said, I don't think the trade itself should be evaluated against how he's deployed and whether it's in a Mm -hmm. optimal light, because now it's giving, and to Zach's point, it's giving Sheldon Keefe a lot to think about and like a lot of decisions to be made, which is a good, should be in theory a good thing that you put the right players in the right spot. Right. But, You know we are Leafs fans. We've seen this uh, (laughs) song and dance before. Yeah. Um, in terms of it being an A, like the the gold, the point total is low, and the four of the five points came in one one game, and the other one point came from Montreal. But like I'm just I'm here looking at the game Saturday from Vancouver where he played two two periods essentially, and he had two chances in that game with Lafferty and Bunting as well, two shot chances, and this data is according to. Uh, Cam Sharon, who our our buddy on Twitter, he's a former Leafs analyst. He tracks a lot of these games, and then you go back and you look at the Chicago game. That's another zero point night, and yet still he had—I don't have the number in front of me. I think it was one shot, uh, one chance setup, and then two chances, two, two chances taken, and that's a zero point night. Yeah, two ch- two shot chances and one shot setup, ch- uh, one setup chance as well. But that was a zero point night, so. I don't think the points really match it. I do think the underlying numbers really speak for themselves there. He's 69% on the draw. He gets himself the puck exceptionally. I know some people don't love the skating, but when you can get your the yourself the puck like that, that's such an asset there. So it really does give the Leafs a lot to kind of play with. I remember last year we were saying, oh, we got, we got a lot of good players. And it was like, no, we have a lot of, but in reality, we had a lot of like, like Andre Kasha level where it's like, that's not a top six player. It's like an all right utility player with the emergence of Ryan O'Reilly at center. Now you have three legit centers and you can tinker with how you want to deploy them. Unfortunately, now we get less time to see where we will deploy it in the playoffs and what's the optimal deployment of him. But I, I would give this guy an A as well. He's, he is so damn good. But yeah, let's move on to yeah. Let's get let's keep the good players going. Jake McCabe. This,
2: I'm going to start with this one, and I'm just going to give it an S plus, not even an A plus, an S plus, because like like uh, again, we gawked at him for the last hour or so. How I don't know how long we've been recording for, but yeah, we've gawked at him for the last couple of minutes or so, and he's just exactly what we've needed since Muzzin got hurt, and to get him at essentially less than half the cost of what Muzzin was. Obviously, the acquisition cost is there, but again, like to get him at a a good shutdown defender who can do what he does, I think that's just like on term, on on term Mm -hmm. too. Only two mil, Justin Hall's salary. Like, come on, like (laughs) people were people were saying Justin Hall's deal is like a good deal. Like, what about Jake McCabe? Like, hey, that's that's a freaking steal. So yeah, like I, I feel like I've already said enough about Jake McCabe this podcast. So I'll I'll pass this one along to Zach S plus for me
0: yeah i'm going to, I'm going with the a plus on this um in love with the player told you talk to you guys about how I felt about like especially that game against new jersey um you John brings up like the term jason bringing up the fact that he costs as much as just and all like it, it's it's hard to sit here and say that there's much that's wrong with that um the only thing I do want to point out, and just kind of curious if you guys got the same vibe as I did, but remember when Jake Muzzin first got here and the way that he played and inserted himself and we were like, wow, we've not had this. Well, since Jake Muzzin went down, we haven't had that. And Jake McCabe comes and it's like, we got that back. He's here. So it's, it feels like everything just feels a lot better surrounding him and surrounding him joining this team. It's, it's A plus for me.
1: I'm with you guys. A plus. I mean, we said we needed that top three solid player. Uh, He was a player. Like I was, I I really like that. He's fitting well, because he was one player that when I was watching games on him, I'm like, wow, like this guy, this guy is pretty good. And I think I was able to convince some people that this guy would be pretty good and he'd be pretty good on the Leafs. And thank God (laughs) shows that I, I wasn't on, wasn't high while watching him. (laughs) Uh, he's been uh, he's been very solid and he just fits so well. And he improves that top four. And now you actually have, as Jason, we meant past episodes, we said like makings of a championship team. Like now you can emphasize that top four more because you have such a good player and you have such a good duo in, in McCabe and Brody there. Now you just got to figure out, who the rest of the two are, but you can yeah. like, if, if McCabe and Brody play less than 25 minutes a game in the playoffs, that's you're, you're robbing them essentially.
2: I, mm-hmm. I, I, I messaged Zach earlier today or m- might've been yesterday. Is like, we need these guys to play literally 30 minutes a night in the playoffs. Like, I know that sounds <sighs> a little extreme, but like, man, like just give McCart, it to them I because when like they're on the ice, so. like, yeah, 28, whatever. Like these, that's like, that's how we optimize our, our D pairings is by doing that. And then again, like, I, I've talked about this many times on the show and I've talked about it a lot on Twitter, like Morgan Riley, unfortunately, Kevin Papetti recently tweeted it like Morgan Riley with TJ Brody. Like that was our go-to and he's just TJ Brody is not as good with Morgan Riley. than uh, TJ Brody is without Morgan Riley. Like he's a better player playing without Morgan Riley and Morgan Riley's also seems to be better without TJ Brody. I think that's a little to do with quality of competition because it's assumed that if Brody's not there, Uh, If Brody's not on the line with Riley, Brody's getting those top heavy minutes and then Riley will get the rest. So again, like splitting those two apart, I think is the most optimal for our team. So the fact that McCabe allows for that to happen as well is is massive.
1: Yeah. And just going back, um, just very random, I will say, but Ryan McCabe, his last playoffs with the Leafs was averaging 28 47 a night in the playoffs and then in 05 in the regular season he was averaging 28 minutes a night so what
0: in the regular season in the regular season he was averaging
1: 28 <laughs> minutes a night no 506 when he put up 64 points <laughs> what, what, a what a horse, horse. <laughs> like, that's insane 28 18 i'm not reading this wrong he had 68 points jesus something about the, Le- the leaves in <throat> McCabe. cave just something something there something, something about there. it yeah, we were two two numbers off that twenty-four again. But he should have paid
0: Simmons it. for that number. He should have paid him. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> that's why I forgot Simmons was 24. Forgot Simmons was on this team.
0: But yeah. Anyways, that's fine. Um, let's
1: move over to his Chicago buddy, Sam Lafferty. What do you think of him so far? Uh honestly, before last game, I probably would have given him a lower grade, but I'm gonna give him a B
2: plus because I was honestly really impressed with how he played at center. Um his his kind of role in my head as like the Engvall replacement, but with better, like more physicality, more intensity, more willingness to like be a little dirtier, I guess, like more, more nitty gritty in the, in, in those dangerous areas is like, uh, yeah, like I, I think, I think B plus is a good fit. He's shown ability for obviously to play in the bottom six. And like this past game, he's showing ability, maybe, he could like flirt with the top six, like who knows, depending on how we structure the lineup, but he didn't look out of place in playing against other teams' top six. So I think that's like very important. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm i going to give him a B plus. I didn't really expect much of the player when he came in. Um, so he uh, maybe that's this par- partially like baked into my, uh, my grade because I thought he'd be a lot worse than he was. So I'm going to go with B plus with fit.
0: I think I'm going to copycat you on this one with the B plus as well. Uh, I don't have too much different to say than what you did. Um, I think one of the things that I have factoring into my grades, I'm sure you can probably tell at this point, is but it's like kind of some of the biases of feelings towards players that might've been replaced. And I think he just is what they wanted Engval to be. And Engval never really got to that point. It's like that tall, long, fast player, kill penalties, and, um, but he just has the extra step. Like he's just got that one extra step on all of the things that I think Engvall had. Like he's just got it a little bit more, a little bit better. I think he fits in nice, comes in at a cheap contract. He's got one more year left on this as well. Uh, I think it's a good fit. Nice bottom six guy to have there hopefully he can translate to a good playoff player as well. But for me, it's really just that factor of like fitting in to be what they hoped Angfall was and never, never came to be. So like, I think that's kind of where I go with it, but yeah, piggyback off you on the B plus. Yeah. yeah. I go a
1: little bit lower. I go like maybe a B, I think last game really did help to elevate my evaluation of him. Um, like in terms of he's more so in my good books, I do want to read some numbers from Cam on here. Uh, some micro stats, uh, in terms of exits against Vancouver, sorry, to go why I'm looking at this against Vancouver, I felt like he had the puck a lot. There was times where it was like maybe he was too far too far ahead of the play, wasn't able to do much with it, but he did lead, lead Leafs forwards and control exits from the zone with four, and he had... Six or yeah, controlled exits with four, and he had six total, which was tied with Nylander for leading Leafs forwards in that category. Only had two zone entries, but did have 12 attempts, which led the Leafs as well. Like it showed he was carrying the puck up the ice a lot, it wasn't really materializing in much. I think there's been certain games as well. I can't, I think against Calgary, uh, was one of them where you've seen the speed off the rush, but it hasn't really materialized into. Too too much yet, but i, I think with some coaching and like as he gets used to the system and used to the teams and used to his line mates well, that we'll start to see more positive impacts come from him carrying the puck up the ice like that with with such speed. but mm-hmm. for sure, the microstats are kind of mirroring what you're seeing that he he is very good at carrying the puck up the ice, and he is very fast um, let's get into the defenseman um. Luke Shen coming back, getting that number two as well. What do you guys think of him? I'm going to let Zach go first for this one. Cause I've been kind of hogging this. So I'll let you get <laughs> no, the word in okay. first this time.
0: <laughs> Fit wise. Um, oh man. I have a hard time with this evaluation because I think if we didn't get McCabe, then the addition of Luke Shen is that much more important. I think getting him is just like a novelty. Uh, Man, you know what? I'll go with like a I'll go with like a B. I just don't think I've seen enough out of it. I think this grade probably could be on the could be lower than if I were to reevaluate and say okay, it could be higher. I think a B B's just kind of like that average, fair grade on it. He didn't really do too much to impress me. He's not done too much to disappoint me. You see him play physical, he hits guys, he's going to be mean, call him the human eraser. He's going to block shots. He'll fight if he has to. Um, but he's not really going to jump ahead of the, in, in this lineup ahead of too many people. And it's going to be my same evaluation when we get to Gustafson, but a lot of it just has to do with Sheldon Keefe and his preferences of guys. Reality is, is he going to want to play Luke Shen over Justin Hall? I don't really think so. I think he's in love with Justin Hall and wants to keep that guy in the lineup. And so then I kind of look at the acquisition of Shen and I'm like, I don't foresee Sheldon key falling in love with this guy and wanting him to put, wanting to put him in there that often. So he's kind of just like an extra piece. He's not bad. He's not great. He's just here. He's an extra guy that we can go to. If we need, he's a guy who's won Stanley cup. Uh, I don't know. It, it's a B for me, but it, I could be swung one way or the other on that. Yeah. I I'm going with a C
2: plus there. I close, close to close to your grade kind of for the same points. Like I, I think you said it perfectly in that he's a novelty. He's not like amazing, like, but he does again, give us that little factor of like the ability and in, in to, to clear the front of the net really, really well, which again, like mm-hmm. with the addition of without McCabe, our team has really struggled with. So that's always good to have Um, again, novelty to stable people to the boards. But here's the thing. He is a C plus for me, but he could be an F. And the only way that he is an F for me is if he is the reason that Lilligren does not play in the playoffs. If this team is, if Timothy Lilligren is not playing and is a healthy scratch for game one of the playoffs, this is an F acquisition. Because I'm sorry, like, other than TJ Brody, Timothy Lilligren is is far and away our best right-hand shot defense, like, guy who can play the right side. That is not even close. And if this acquisition casts any doubt in Sheldon Keith's mind, of playing Logan there than it is enough because he deserves to play there. I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm tired of, uh, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of like not giving our our guys like the chance to play. And I get it. It's the playoffs, but like, I don't know how much Timothy looking more like how much more he can show this year for him to like deserve a spot. Like, mind you, he did play last game. So I don't want to like, act as if like we're going to go 70 and what we saw two games was also
1: in a different province. So that's, that's (laughs) true. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: it's, it's going to be tough to see exactly how this shakes out. I think it's a good addition if it it's between him and hall, him and hall coming out. But if this is like cast any doubt on Timothy Logan and has him out of the lineup at all F for me, that's yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm um, I'm lower than you guys. I'm a C minus on this one. I I went through, his tape for both of the games that he played Calgary. He looked very nervous to start Vancouver game. I think was kind of interesting because it showed he's not as bad of a passer as I had anticipated. He's less of like a glass and out, just fired as hard as you can get it out of the zone. He's made some pretty decent passes and that, that did impress me versus what I had kind of expected him to bring. Um, The one thing that I didn't like at all, when you have a team like the Leafs, that's a high powered offensive team you cannot be wasting puck possessions in the offensive zone by just taking slap shots from wherever you want there was a play against the Canucks where Morgan Riley had space and time on the left side and he just wound up and clapped it on net like it's like okay like sometimes that works but it's very very inefficient I really didn't like that I think he's kind of like almost like Not a negative, but just offensively, he needs to be way more efficient with the puck Um, turnovers in the defensive end. I think there was only one really It led to a goal. But my issue is with playing him with Riley, which is what they tried on Saturday both of them aren't smart enough defensively. Luke Shen's a defensive defenseman. That's not that smart defensively. And what I mean by that is making quick decisions, knowing when to come off of one guy and take a certain zone, like playing that zone defense. When you think, when you think of basketball zone defense, like playing like that as a defenseman and knowing who to take, where like, when you look at that goal, he just chased a guy behind the net and it left a wide open backdoor pass on that fourth goal. Like and then there's a couple other plays where it's he's, he's going out of his way to throw hits. Like, yeah, they're big, they're fun, but you know, not always the most effective. But I will say his physicality, it brings life into the arena, especially on home ice. It will do that a thousand percent. Brings life to his teammates. It's really good knowing you got someone back there to stand up for you. And on top of that, when he throws the body, it does it does interrupt cycles. So that is a positive there. He does help to kind of do that, but You know, we'll see. I really hope this is not just a a luxury uh, insurance guy, right? That we actually, there's an actual purpose behind him playing. And it's not so that Timothy Logan can sit as Jason (laughs) astutely pointed out there.
0: Well, a couple of things to what you said there, though, just quickly on Shen. Um, I agree with you. He looked nervous, shaky, maybe in that Calgary game. I would agree with that assessment. I think going into Vancouver, it's the team you just got traded from. You never even got to Toronto. Like you've been on the road the whole time with Toronto. Probably a weird environment to go into. Not trying to like give excuses for it, but just kind of where that's been. And then the other point that you make there of like where the environment will be when he does hit, throw a hit in front of a home crowd he hasn't been back to Toronto yet. He hasn't played in front of Toronto yet. So not to say like these things will change this. Uh, I very much foresee it being similar to where we're at right now, but like, I think get back into Toronto, the first hit that he throws that the roof might come off of Scotiabank. Like they might go insane in there when they see him throw a hit, let alone if he fights a guy in Toronto, that would bring the place down. Like we might see Scotiabank or ACC for people before Scotiabank time. Yeah. Like we might see it come down. It's a good point though. I mean, you remember
1: Jason, do you remember game one of the play? Cause you were in the building like the vibes after they killed off that five on four for four or five minutes, whatever, like imagine Mm -hmm. Luke Shen coming back and just rocking someone like he did first shift of the game against Phil DiGiuseppe. Like that would, that will bring a lot of life and help them to, you know, start on time. But yeah, it does unfortunately come with, uh, it's down detractors downfall to it, but he brings something the Leafs don't really have. So.
2: Yeah. Listen, he can go out of his way to take to to make hits as long as like he's he's not getting that five minute major to start the first first game. That's then and then we're we're okay with it. We're okay with
1: it. So yeah, yeah. we'll see on that. Okay. Uh, last one, Eric <laughs> Gustafson. I mean, we haven't seen much from him. I I will say in terms of his style, like he's a wild card out there, and it's not. I'm not surprised Sandine has so many points to start. Eric Gustafson ha- was on like a six game point streak. I swear to finish off his Washington Capitals tenure. And then like, you're just putting Sandine in that spot. So they, they don't really play structured hockey in Washington. They play pond hockey out there. So I'm not surprised at all. Sandine's playing so well, it'll be interesting to see how this guy fits in, especially too. I know Kyle Dubas said it's power play insurance. We'll see then. Now they have a full week of practice. Do we see Eric Gustafson on the power play to start Saturday? We'll see. It'll be interesting but yeah. Um, yeah. I'd give him like, I don't know. It's been D. He hasn't done anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I was going to give to you. Yeah. Like he he's done nothing. Um, and I think my thoughts on him here are also like where Jason was at, even on Shen, the addition there is like, how does he get in this lineup? Like where, where does he go? I mean, look at the guys on the left side, McCabe, he ain't coming out. Riley, no matter what he does, he's not coming out and geo is not coming out. So you're essentially looking at, okay, now are we just going to have to have to dress seven defensemen to have this guy in here? He might be a guy down the regular down the stretch in the regular season where they're like, all right, geo you're 39 years old, like sit out for a game, Gustafson, get in there. But, He's just an extra piece. That's really what he is. So I'm on the same page as you here, Joe, on that one. I Like, I, how do we even evaluate this guy? He's not even playing. Like, they can't even get him in here. <laughs> yeah, someone was
1: like, what did you think of him after the first game? I'm like, he played like eight minutes. We have 7D. And he played <laughs> yeah. with Morgan Riley, too. It's the number one yeah. player you shouldn't be playing with. Like, if yeah. they came in and gave him a priority, like, he'd be with TJ Brody. And we'd see the Eric Gustafson magic. Like if you just keep putting him with Morgan Riley, oh my God, you're torpedoing this guy's value. You might as well have just brought up Jordy <laughs> Ben. Like, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand that one. But
2: yeah, it was honestly like slide tangent. It was honestly scary to see our team put him with Morgan Riley because it's like
1: tell, they both tells us can't a lot skate what, backwards. Tell, tells us
2: a lot what we think of Morgan Riley as, <laughs> like what our team thinks of him, and like I think too much. There's a large gap between what I think and what we all think. Then what the least think but yeah again he's 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 our guy so we got to stick with him um but yeah Gustafson I give him a, a, a c minus like I guess close enough to what you guys gave him with that d um yeah like just the biggest thing for me is that if Morgan Riley's hurt like he slots in perfectly for him
1: so that's yep. that's pretty exactly. much it so it's a good point so and that's, that's, literally that's all I got like, that's he is Morgan Riley insurance yeah, y- like, yeah, that's what he is. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that's interesting. Like just looking at it here, Cam Charon has him credited with two setup chances uh, on Saturday. It's better against... passer than Riley. Hey, maybe Riley gets scratched oh, yeah. in the playoffs then. Okay, <laughs> we'll see now that. I'm being mean. Two I'm setup me. chances against Vancouver. He played like ten minutes this game too. It's kind of I didn't. <laughs>
0: I wonder where that. If Justin would be Hall's not coming out of this lineup, Morgan Riley is for yeah. sure not coming out of this lineup. <laughs> <laughs> you never Hall's know. Never. Honestly, is that honestly, that breakout pass
1: know. yesterday, though. Oh,
0: baby. With
1: Justin Credit Hall. Yeah, Credit to Sam
2: Laffy. He
1: had two, he had two Sorry, good uh, chance setups, uh, Justin Hall, in that game. I mean, he was also on for three goals against, but yes. two, was two was good chance setups uh, good for chances. them. Oh, no. Two chances for one went to Kerfoot, unfortunately, y- and the other was a game winner. Yeah. That, that, that was, was a crazy weird. one, by the way,
2: the curfew one because his jock was literally in goalie's face and he just couldn't bear
1: it. It was like Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. was all um, this time. Um yeah. To close this off, I think that's all of our uh, all of our players there that we have to evaluate here. For the most part, very happy. Um it's just those last two defensemen. A lot of question marks for what's going on there. Pretty easily summed up. Uh lastly playoff the def- uh the topic of defense like are we going to see timothy logren in the playoffs like it's kind of crazy to ask he's been solid this year
2: i don't know i i hope so that's all i, I feel like it's there's i feel like we kind of touched on it like I, I don't really know what else there is to, for us to say like i i other than the fact that like it'd be a colossal mistake for him to not be playing any games in the playoffs, honestly. Like, unless something crazy happens where his play suddenly declines from what we've seen of the 60-game sample he's played this season, like, maybe that's, like, a little crazy. But, like, you guys tell me if I'm crazy. Like, I, I think he's earned his spot this year.
0: No, you're not. But it's, it's like, it depends who you ask. Are Are you asking... Uh, every Leafs fan out there, or are you asking Sheldon Keefe? Because if you're asking every Leafs fan who's watched the games this year, Timothy Lilligren's in the lineup and he deserves to be. And if you ask Sheldon Keefe, then uh, he holds the defenseman to a higher standard. And so he can't get in into this lineup. So uh, for me, yes, he's in, he has to be in. He, I agree with what Jason said earlier in in the show is he's been the best right, right. D Um, so, second best right D sorry, best right-handed D mm-hmm. this season. He's taken tremendous steps from where he was last year. He's shown so much more maturity, uh, responsibility, comfortability with the puck. Like he looks drastically different than even he did last season. And from the beginning of this year, uh, but do I trust Sean and Keith to put him in the playoffs? I do not, not one bit. <laughs> like, so uh, it's, it's almost scary, I, okay. I guess. <laughs> And, and and I
2: just I think back to last year there I just this play sticks out so much in my mind there was one play where him and Sandin were playing together um and it was off the draw and they he lost his man off the draw and they I forgot what team they were playing and they ended up scoring and I remember coming out of that game being like if this guy does that in the NHL he's not going to last in the NHL if he does that and like I think ever since that game and ever since last season he's kind of like rid that part of his game and he's done a really good job of like identifying his man in the zone and just being a lot more like smarter and more efficient in zone. So like he's clearly made the steps that the team has been asking and wanting of him. I think it's only fair considering that not only is he doing the things that we're asking of him, but he's like legitimately our second best right hand defense, like right 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 side defenseman that he deserves it. Deserves that's it.
1: So just looking at the time when morgan riley was away from the team uh the sample of 15 games here timothy logren had a 54% expected goals for percentage and a goals for percentage of 80% during that time yeah it's um, nuts like that's a that's a pretty good sample size too yeah. um timmins and mette were unfortunately last place in that metric there I mean, 50, and, and even Justin Hall during that time, 59% goal, expected goals for Rasmus Sandin. How about this one? Rasmus Sandin was 61.95 and TJ Brody. he only got to play eight of those games was at 62.52 during that time. Like that well, during
0: that time, uh, Sandy Lilligren D pair, I believe was top the four. Thir- yeah. Yeah.
1: They were in the top four. I haven't done the, I haven't checked out what the exact time on ISOs is per, but I believe Sandy and at least half of them was playing over 20 minutes a game. Like yeah. those are pretty telling signs that they were playing very steady. And I think the Leafs won like, they were like 13 and two or something stupid like that. So to see that sample size of him playing in the top four and then to pull him out for a guy that's, I'm going to be honest, is like a 60 quality. That kind of, it's shit. Like, there's no other way to put it. It's That's so shitty. Like, I don't know. He should be 100%. If, If I'm doing playoff D pairings, 100%, I can see Jake McCabe and TJ Brody. Maybe I would like to see them split up just so that you can even it out. And then you have Mark Giordano for sure. Like, I think it would then be Giordano Hall, Riley Lilgren, or maybe Giordano Lilgren. Load up that a little bit more. Oh, but then you're left Riley Hall. Never mind. I'd rather Riley Cannot ever just... happen, ever, oh, yeah, ever. You can't,
0: especially in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather yeah. That's the problem. That's the problem. Is that yeah, I'd rather go Morgan get Brian Riley McCabe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> get off your the, couch. <laughs> the yeah. problem that you have, because Joe, I did this exact same thing last night when I was talking to Jason about coming on today, was I went through the D pairs. I'm like, all right, what can we do here? The problem that you have, because I wrote out the same list, is that when you get down to that point, it's okay, Morgan Riley has to play with Justin Hall or Luke Shen, and then you're basically just handcuffing yourself, and you're like, "I don't think this can happen and Hall we know can't happen like that that is not allowed that is malpractice putting those guys out there together um like and then yet to see a bigger sample size with Shen, but I'm on the same page as you in terms of like I don't think that that is gonna be an ideal pairing there, so. Morgan Riley is really the one who throws a wrench in all of this. And he was the guy who threw a wrench in it just by coming back from injury, because we saw the way that they played as a team defensively in that system and the structure and how it rolled. He came back. Now all of a sudden you got to find pairings for him. It throws everybody else off a whole lot of other problems from that.
1: I mean, hopefully he can play better last year in the playoffs. Like if you look at everything, he played solid. So we'll see. I think that uh, pretty much wraps it up and I'm going to wrap it up because my laptop won't last any longer. Thank you, Zach, for joining us. That was Zach from Leafs Digest. Uh, You can check him out, the Leafs Digest YouTube channel. You can find his work on YouTube. Just search Leafs Digest. Thanks for saying it twice, you moron. And you can find him on Twitter at Zach Philly, Z-A-C-K-P-H-I-L-L-Y. Thanks so much, Zach, for joining us. Uh, Another great episode. Thanks everyone for for listening one one thing I think I, I messed that up it's
2: Zach Phil not Zach Philly so yeah that's that to you I oh, fucked that gosh. up but yeah Zach Phil <laughs> not Zach Philly so nice. add Z-A-C-K-E-H-I-L-L. no Y just yeah that's it Zach Phil cool cool all <laughs> good
0: thanks for having me boys I really appreciate it. it's always fun to talk some lease and uh lose your mind over Justin Hall D combinations so <laughs>
1: <laughs> for sure for sure thanks everyone for listening go go, Leafs, go.